Welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast series focusing on critical business decisions. Brought to you by Brady Ware and Company. Brady Ware is a regional, full-service accounting and advisory firm that helps businesses and entrepreneurs make visions a reality. Welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast giving you, the listener, clear vision to make great decisions. In each episode, we discuss the process of decision-making on a different topic from the business owner's or executive's perspective. We aren't necessarily telling you what to do, but we can put you in a position to make an informed decision on your own and understand when you might need help along the way. My name is Mike Blake, and I'm your host for today's program. I am a director at Brady Ware & Company, a full-service accounting firm based in Dayton, Ohio, with offices in Dayton, Columbus, Ohio, Richmond, Indiana, and Alpharetta, Georgia. I am managing partner of the Strategic Valuation and Advisory Services Practice, which brings clarity to the most important strategic decisions that business owners and executives face by presenting them with factual evidence for such decisions. Brady Ware is sponsoring this podcast. If you would like to engage with me on social media with my chart of the day and other content, I'm on LinkedIn as, as myself and at Unblakeable on Facebook, Twitter, Clubhouse, and Instagram. I also recently launched a new LinkedIn group called Unblakeable's Group That Doesn't Suck. So please join that as well if you would like to engage. Um, today's topic is a topic that uh, I hoped that I would address at some point over the course of this program in a very different context. But um, uh, there's a saying in Yiddish that roughly translates into uh, man plans and God laughs. And um, there's nothing particularly funny about this topic, but uh, life does have a way of, of bringing the unexpected. So as I record this on the 8th of April, 2022, Uh, We are something on the order of about six weeks into the Russo-Ukraine war. Um, And I recorded a podcast on this about five or six weeks ago with the topic, should I continue to do business in Russia and Belarus? And um, uh, I explained my qualifications to address that topic in that episode. And I would encourage you to listen to that episode for that information as uh, as as well as more, and the only thing that I'll rehash here is um, uh, I, I I dislike strongly that I have to address this topic in the way that it has it is it is being addressed. Um, the early part of my career was formed by living and working in uh, Russia and in Belarus and uh, and in Ukraine. And uh, if there's anything good that I've brought to the table professionally today, in in large part, it is due to the learning experiences that uh, I, you know, of which I had the benefit um, those many years ago, long before I had any gray hair. That's for sure, and I was a lot thinner then as well. Um, but here we have it, and so the topic we're going to discuss is, is sort of the uh, the flip side of the topic. Uh, instead of should I do business with Russia and Belarus, and I laid forth a case that uh, I don't think you should. And frankly, I'm not sure it's realistically feasible. I think it's very difficult to do business there. I think that although no set of economic sanctions work perfectly, um, we have certainly made life very difficult for the Russians and for those who may seek to do to to do business with them. And if they choose to become a client state of China, as appears to be their choice at this point, there's really nothing that we can do about that. But we'll, but one thing we can do, and I'm I'm, I guess I'm pleased to say that I'm I'm pleased that we're doing is is we are supporting uh, we are supporting Ukraine, a a a fascinating country with a fascinating history that that for most of its history has been a people much, much longer than it has been a, an organized country, if you will. It's very paradoxical. And uh, I, I won't, I, I, you know, there are people who can discuss it much better than I can. We have professors that do that. But it's, uh, but it's a very interesting place with a very, with a very complicated history. Um, and, 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 you know, as we're now six weeks into into the Russian invasion, and and we've seen 
we've witnessed extraordinary events, things that I think my generation, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 52 next month. You know, we never thought that we would see in my generation. We thought this is something that my grandfather um, would have dealt with, but certainly not, certainly not today. Um, But again, here it is. Uh, History does have a tendency, does have a tendency to be cyclical in nature. And and the, the discussion of whether or not to do business in Ukraine may seem bizarre. Um, and, and I grant you, if you're not all that familiar with Ukraine, its history, its geography, I, I, I can understand that. And that's why this topic is so necessary, because um, uh, Ukraine is a very big place. And although a large portion of the country, really any portion of the country in, in those conditions would be considered large. But something on the order of about 10% is, is an active war zone. And most of the country is under threat of some attack in some fashion by the Russian armed forces. Um, the fact of the matter is that, that A, there has been a war going on since 2014, since the annexation of Crimea, and, and the bizarre quasi-independence of the Donetsk and the Luhansk regions, um, that, that's been going on anyway. It was simply sort of self-contained. Uh, but, of course, now it's been expanded, and, and most of you have seen the pictures. You've read the news. Um, uh, and it's in, in many ways, it's probably worse than it's being reported on, on the ground. And um, uh, there before the grace of God go I. But the reality is that there's a lot of Ukraine that amazingly is is still functioning. It is still a functioning state. Um, Volodymyr Zelensky, their their president, who frankly, if I'm honest about it, I had very I had a lot of doubts when he was elected that a, co- a comedic actor would rise to the level of being able to govern such a complex country with a very complex political structure as Ukraine. And now he's being mentioned in the same words as Winston Churchill. So it really goes to show you what I know, which is probably absolutely nothing. Um, uh, but all of a sudden now we all know, we all know who he is. We all know his famous quote that you know, he says he wants weapons, not a ride. And, um, you know, this is, this is a country that's not going away. That's not going away silently by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, I think, I think, uh, I owe it to you as the listeners to help you understand <clears throat> what the opportunities are to do business in Ukraine, not just from a humanitarian perspective, not just from a moral and ethical pers- imperative, although those still those do still exist. Um, but the country is amazingly, with all the things that are happening that are happening to it, um, that they are still open for business. And um, uh, joining us today are two longtime dear friends of mine who I was very relieved to speak to only a few days ago, realizing that they had managed to escape the country after their home came under attack. And joining us from Poland are uh, uh, Dr. Leonid Histerski and Dr. Tatiana Lipovaya, who again, I've, I've known for, uh, for a very long time. And they are co-founders of a, a company called IPR that, among other things, is, is a law firm that provides, um, that provides counsel for companies seeking to do business from the West into the former Soviet Union. I'm not even sure what that region of the world is going to be called anymore. I think it's going to be, it's going to be different. I just can't predict what that's going to be. And their specialization has long been about protecting Western intellectual property rights in those countries, uh, anti-counterfeiting in particular, um, as well as working with a a sister company where I sort of did a, 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 I guess I was sort of an entrepreneur or teacher in residence, for lack of a better term, for about two and a half years, the Institute for International Business Development, um, whose focus has been to serve as a bridge between Western companies seeking to learn about how to do business in that region, how to take advantage of of the opportunities that that region has held and I think will hold at some point in the future, God knows only when, 
as well as how to navigate the many risks that the um, that that region uh, uh, holds. Um, and and they've they've just been, you know, uh, fantastic people. And and I'm I'm delighted to call them. I'm really proud to call them my friends. Um, by way of a little bit of a, of a professional introduction, in, in no particular order, um, Dr. Leonid Kisterski's got a lot of things to his claim to fame. I could read a very lengthy bio, but I don't want to do that because I want to I want to answer I want to get to questions. But you know, suffice to say that he was the first Minister of Foreign Economic Relations. Um, in the first post-independent uh, Ukrainian government of the early 1990s. He has been a visiting instructor at places such as Brown University, Stanford University, and Columbia. There are others that I'm probably forgetting. And he's been doing this for about 50 years. I couldn't believe it when I looked up his bio. He does not look like he's as old as his calendar would say. He doesn't sound like he's that old either. I look and sound older <laughs> than the guy does. So <laughs> Lainey, whatever you're doing, keep, keep doing it because God knows it's helping you. And um, uh, he was also recently the recipient of Ukraine's highest national honor in support of science and technology for the Republic of Ukraine. Uh, Dr. Tatyana Lipovaya is the head of licensing and trademark um, at, uh, at IPR, where she's been advising national and international clients on trademark filing, prosecution and enforcement, domain name infringements, unfair competition, assignments, licensing, um, at, and, and all the work that goes with that, has done uh, a tremendous amount of work in particular with some places that are very hard to do business in, Kazakhstan, Georgia, Armenia, Azerbaijan, Kyrgyzstan, Etc. And she herself, I, I can't believe it's been this long. Uh, we knew each other when we were much younger, but she's accumulated over two decades of experience in, in not just in not just the legal aspect, but also becoming a top-notch uh, business advisor and holds a PhD in international economics. She's a member of uh, of INTA as well as the Ukrainian Association of international economics, has graduated with economics and management degrees of the Kiev National Economic, uh, Economic University. Um, the firm itself has been in operation since 1999 and the sister group IIBD since before that, since at least the, uh, the early 1990s. And, um, you know, uh, I, guess, I guess fittingly, if you, if you directly, it's always seemed to me to be a very awkward translation, but but the title of Ukrainians' national anthem is "Ukraine is not yet is not yet perished," and neither has their firm. And um, I, th I think when you when you think about what they're doing, how they continue to do business, and despite in spite of all that's going on, it gives you an appreciation as to why the Russians have frankly failed to achieve their military objectives by and large, uh, and have redefined kind of what a Pyrrhic victory is. Uh, if you can even call it that. Uh, I'm going to stop talking. I think I've established these are really good guests. You're really going to enjoy talking to them. The more I talk, the less you hear from them. So Leonid and Tatiana, welcome to the program. It is so good to see you and it's so good to hear from you, uh, more or less safe and sound. And um, uh, I guess you're joining us from Poland. Yeah. Yes, my God. Thank you very much uh, for such a very kind introduction. And sometimes uh, I think that you know more about us than we do. Anyway, uh, we consider you to be not only our long-term uh, friend, but we consider you also to be a founding father of our businesses and all endeavors, since, as you rightly mentioned, uh, we came together in the uh, middle of previous millennium, a uh, long time ago, and uh, in order to train Ukrainian entrepreneurs, uh, we set up Institute for International Business Development, which you helped to establish, and through which we started 
developing private business, uh, training people in Ukraine, uh, <laughs> more than a quarter of a century ago already. And uh, in fact, uh, IPR group, it's uh, probably a sort of a business which has been set up by the Institute for International Business Development and helped to develop even to a much more important private business now than uh, Institute for International Business Development is. So uh, both of us uh, try to combine private business since I keep on uh, provide consultancy for before the war, of course, for governmental institutions, for international companies, for Ukrainian private businesses, just helping them to establish and uh, to use uh, high ethical norms in business and uh, was helping to develop the high moral values of them like in, uh, like personalities and like entrepreneurs and uh, still combining my activities uh, with consultancy and private business I still, till now, keep on uh, training at two Ukrainian universities, Kyiv National, Taras Shevchenko University, and Donetsk National University, named after Vasil Stus, which uh, eight years ago moved from Donetsk to Vinnysa, in order to continue its activity. And uh, they needed specialists in international economic relations. And that's why I uh, willingly joined them. And still, I keep on doing this online until today and will continue to do so. Well, uh, Tatiana is more a private businessman now, and, uh, businesswoman. a businesswoman, yeah. <laughs> and uh, probably she will tell herself about uh, what is he doing in the IPR group. Actually, I um, deal with the trademarks protection, prosecution. So our IPR group uh, company, it's a Ukrainian established based in Ukraine business, but we deal with a lot of uh, other countries. We provide our services in, uh, how to say, former Soviet Union countries, like you, Michael, already mentioned Georgia, uh, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan, and other um, countries which are not accessible from for foreigners because they have special laws, they have special rules, which you need to know to deal with these countries, especially for business and for uh, also intellectual property rights protection. So there are a lot of... Um, specific in these countries and uh, um, I'm really um, happy that I'm involved in such kind of business. I received a lot of new skills and all the time develop uh, myself not only as a um, business consultant, which I used to be for last 10, 20 years, but now I'm developed myself as a lawyer and as a uh, specialist in, in intellectual property rights protection. So it's also important for developing business because intellectual property rights is the um, very important part of the business development, especially for new companies, for um, companies who involve new technologies and would like to protect their property rights, uh, uh, have patents, licensing. Uh, so the uh, need a lot of uh, advice and a lot of support to, for doing business in our countries. So we continue our businesses, yeah. 
and 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 I I think I think that's I think that's remarkable, and I think that's what I want. One thing I want to make sure our audience hears is how are you continuing your business? Well, uh, as you know, uh, we had to move from Ukraine uh, to further to west, 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 and so we appeared uh, in Poland. And uh, currently we are in the city of Nowy Sonch in Poland. Of course, uh, we lived some, uh, used to live some 30 kilometers from Kiev in the city of Vasilkiv. Probably it does ring a bell for you since uh, um, press wrote a lot of this city. There was, uh, there is an airport and a tank farm which was bombed every day. And we were living nearby. And so, and uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, the situation at that time uh, became dangerous to my mind. And we read that uh, Russian, uh, you know, monsters uh, rush into houses, kill people, uh, rape women and girls. So that's why we drove to the West in a couple of weeks after the start of the Russian invasion. So we were going West and West. And so uh, Tatiana's colleague wrote us when we were in Lviv and invited to live for three weeks in her house while her kids were away. And so during this time, we somehow managed to tune our business, establish again uh, contacts, uh, and uh, to start doing business online. And so moving in, we rented a small apartment in uh, Novy Sonch. Here is a famous school of business here where I taught. 25 years ago again for some time and uh, my colleagues helped us to rent an apartment here. So uh, there are of course difficulties in uh, doing business outside of Ukraine but in Ukraine but still it is quite possible as far as teaching is concerned there's almost no difference. You have good internet you have good connections, and you keep on doing it online. Uh, with uh, Tatiana's business, uh, it is more complicated. And now Tatiana probably will tell about it herself. Um, not only we, not only our businessmen, but also our government on a daily basis introduces new opportunities first to revive businesses in Ukraine and to further develop them. As for my business, uh, we, underst we understood that in such situation, which we uh, all of us need to move from Kiev to other places, some of us uh, still stay in Ukraine, but for example, in Western part of Ukraine, some of our um, staff and uh, some of our staff uh, means women who can leave Ukraine, uh, they are moved to Poland and to other countries uh, in the uh, Western Europe. Uh, we understand there's a main possibility to uh, keep our business away Awakes, it's uh, only the distance, uh, the um, remote, remote, uh, remote work, yes, uh, on the online, distance. Yeah. Yes, it's online work. Uh, hopefully, our kind of business, because we provide the services for international companies, this uh, our business allowed us to work remotely. So, we our technical um, specialty uh, did. Uh, as much as possible to uh, secure our business, our services, mails, uh, 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 our um, 
database uh, to put them to the safe servers to support our everyday activity. We also must have, were uh, happy that the government of Ukraine, especially, I mean, the um, national uh, body, which is responsible for intellectual property rights protection in Ukraine, uh, allowed us to work uh, and uh, link to them uh, also uh, online. So they provided the system which uh, allowed us to apply for and file trademarks, patents, uh, um, uh, other intellectual property requests uh, to the office online without providing papers. You mean uh, Ukrainian uh, patent office? Uh, yes, I mean yeah. our Ukrainian patent uh, office, which uh, still works, still uh, keep uh, their activities and still provide a full range of services to the clients uh, and uh, allowed us as a patent attorneys to conduct our uh, activities on a very good level. In fact, uh, Tatiana already mentioned a very good example of the Ukrainian State Patent Office, which provides all opportunities for this business to be on the surface, so to say. And uh, private entrepreneurs, as you taught us, (laughs) still used to take care of themselves. Moreover, I would like to say that we have a lot of uh, big and uh, middle-sized businesses in Ukraine, and now our government helps them materially uh, to move from those parts of our country, which is still uh, bombed by uh, Russian monsters, to move it to the center of Ukraine, to the more safe areas and Until today, several hundreds of such businesses were moved to central part of our country and they keep on functioning. Also, uh, government introduced uh, several uh, important privileges for businesses to function. Now, uh, this is um, decreased taxation. For example, when I saw the consultant, I earned some small money and uh, there is a so-called simplified system of taxation. I was paying just 5% from turnover. Now, during the wartime, it was brought down to 2% only. So, and we keep on paying taxes now. We keep on uh, paying now uh, for our communal services for the apartments. Then uh, also uh, businesses uh, were given an opportunity to to have access to cheap credits, Mm -hmm. sometimes uh, interest-free credits. Of uh, Tatiana, what is the amount of such till several million hryvnas? Effective cost of hryvna to U.S. dollar mm-hmm. is approximately 29, roughly 29 yeah. hryvnas per U.S. dollar. And you can get uh, several million hryvnas of interest-free credit. So there are simplified now procedures for registering your business, for reporting about uh, your financial and other situations. So uh, I would like to say that uh, it's uh, very sad that really this awful war triggered such support of private business in Ukraine. But still, I'm absolutely sure that after our victory, the war is over, business in Ukraine will be developing at a very high speed, especially internationally. So you said something I hadn't even, I had not even thought of, and it it reminds me of history, right? Because in World War II, the Soviet Union had to move entire industries east, right? Out of the way of, of Hitler. And it hadn't even occurred to me, but I suppose 
in, in a way, that's actually a skill. And in fact, if, if factories were built during Soviet times, they may have been designed to be moved again in case of an invasion. It's history repeating itself. Yes, the history repeating, but uh, uh, to tell you very openly, we did not expect that this history repeats in Ukraine. We of course. And, and you but didn't think you'd be moving the West. With it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, but I, I hadn't even thought of that, but you're right. I mean, um, it's, there's historical precedent that entire, you know, industries, factories do, can be picked up and simply moved to a part of the country that is not as close to the combat area. Uh, look, uh, now combat area, it's uh, all over Ukraine now. Of course, a Russian bomb uh, the country or, uh, say, fire missiles right. on a random basis. That is done deliberately to create panic, to create, you know, uh, atmosphere of, um, uh, say, fright. Uh, but still, uh, people in Ukraine somehow cope with it. And business continues functioning, despite this is one of the purposes of uh, Russia now to destroy Ukraine. Again, I also, like you, Michael, like uh, history and uh, very recent history after the dissolution of the Soviet Union and when Putin came to power on, on many occasions, including internationally, he was saying that dissolution of the Soviet Union is the greatest, uh, probably, event, uh, awful event of the 19th century. He did not mention First World War. He did not mention starvation. He did not mention Second World War, a lot of original wars. But the solution of the Soviet Union, and this is his maniacal idea to restore it in some form. And of course, without Ukraine, uh, that is not attainable. And that's why he is trying to do away with our country. But as you rightly said, he failed and continues to fail. So... A, a, a thought that occurred is, you know, one of one of the things that that's that already is resulting from the war, and I think will result for a generation, is that economic ties between Russia and Ukraine will be effectively cut off. Um, you know, it's just, you know, it's one forgive and forget is one thing, but I, I think there's there's decades of healing that's going to have to take place, I think, for that to occur. Belarus, the same. And as you know, you, you guys were, oddly enough, you guys were as pro-Russia as any Ukrainians I'd ever met, right? You always took a very pragmatic view, right? Why do we want to make a big enemy? There's no reason to do that, which, not that it matters. I'm an American citizen, but I always thought, I always thought was smart. Um, but but now this has happened, and there are certain things that Ukraine is not going to be able to get from Russia or Belarus anymore. Are there opportunities now for other countries to, to supply those things? What are those things that you can't get from Russia anymore? Is it steel or is it, is it fuel? Is it something else? And are there opportunities for another country now to come in and and fill the void that is left because the Russia trade, the Russia trade link has been has been cut off. Yeah, that's true. Uh, says because uh, sentiments uh, in Ukraine against Russia uh, now are self understandable because our country, to no extent, was anti Russian. Uh, we treated Russia in a very friendly way, and we did not expect uh, such a cruelty from their side and uh, you know, such uh, behavior. 
to do away with our country. And uh, now I am, and all of us are so anti-Russian and we cannot forgive them what they did. And during my lifetime, I will never forgive them this. And probably that will take several generations to somehow to cool down with our sentiments uh, towards Russia. Because uh, a recent psycholo- um, statistical polls indicated that uh, now about 85% of Ukrainians see no way of improving relations with Russia. And uh, other 12% uh, just are still hesitant and they think that maybe take, it may take a generation or 10, 15 years and uh, only 2 or 3% uh, believe that it could be repaired very soon. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, Russia should blame itself only for such uh, cut-off of all kinds of relations with uh, Ukraine and with other countries. And so I would like to separately single out uh, one sphere that uh, we have lost Russia and they have lost us for generations, but we gained a lot of friends, other friends, We are so grateful to Poland, uh, which hosted um, 2.5 million Ukrainians now, and we feel uh, such friendly relations, and they take care of Ukraine, and they support us. Uh, Also, uh, the United Kingdom. Separately, I would like to mention the United States, with uh, the country with which we have long-term friendly relations, including a lot of individuals. I would like to mention Alan Sher, who introduced us to each other and we continue this cooperation and friendly. Of course, the United States is the world leader, which uh, provides moral, uh, economic, military, all types of support. Yeah, and other countries, I cannot just, Uh, mention every country, a lot of them. That is why we are very optimistic about the outcome of of this war and about prospects of business development in Ukraine. Michael and uh, John, you have our invitation to meet in Kiev after the victory in this war and you will enjoy our hospitality. I'll be on the first plane. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be I'll be on the first plane. So so now now the trade has been cut off, you know, what 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 did Ukraine used to import from Russia that it can't get anymore and now has to go to a different source? Yeah. Uh, first of all, oil and gas. Anything else is of uh, meager importance. It could not be even mentioned. And so, moreover, they are deliberately bombing and destroying <clears throat> um, our uh, tank farms. They bombed one of them I mentioned near Vasilkiv, where we used to live before the war for several years, for almost 10 years already. And um, So they wanted to cut off not only supplies of oil, but also to destroy available oil tanks in our country. And uh, we started to receive gas on a reverse basis from Europe. And again, I would like to mention the very important initiative of the United States. It's to discontinue buying oil, gas, and coal uh, from Russia, which is extremely important. But more so, United States announced, uh, how to put it correctly, the 
availability of uh, their strategic oil reserves for the international market. And you know, it's like an, a, a positive signal uh, for the market and other countries join this initiative and now about 30 countries, including the United States, made their strategic oil reserves available for the international market. So uh, due to this, our uh, military, our drivers and other uh, sectors of economy started receiving gas, I mean petrol. <laughs> yes. Yeah, meaning petrol, Gasoline. you call it gas in the United States, but for us, gas is gas, petrol is petrol. So we started receiving it um, uh, by railways, through automobile supplies in the country. Of course, we feel uh, and felt sometimes, uh, you know, deficit of uh, petrol in Ukraine, but still, it is in the uh, quantity sufficient for the country to survive now. So energy resources, of course. Same thing with Belarus, but we were supplying electricity, surpluses of electricity from Belarus, which we do not do anymore. And we discontinued our uh, electricity system from Russia, couple of months ago, and it took uh, Europe, European Union, only about three days to include Ukraine into the European system of electricity, and uh, so it functions properly. So step by step, we are discontinuing our uh, ties and uh, our uh, business links with uh, Russia, Belarus, and uh, other countries from former Soviet Union, and switching to Europe and uh, to the United States. Among the countries, of course, I would like to mention Canada. Yeah, in North America. Right, of course, there's a very large Ukrainian diaspora in Canada, yeah. especially in the western part of the country. Which raise their voice and provide support. Yeah. <laughs> So another challenge to the economy must be labor, right? Four million yeah. people have, have left, 10 million people have been displaced. We don't know how many people have been killed. I'm guessing, I'm guessing 100,000 people have probably been killed. We just can't count them yet. Um, and pretty much every, almost every able-bodied man Whatever they were doing six weeks ago, they're now holding a gun. And, yeah. uh, and many women as well, by the way. There's a lot of reports that women are, 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 are also in active military service as well. Mm-hmm. And is, is that impacting simply the supply of labor to actually do economic things? Uh, of course, it's, a, it's an issue which is widely discussed, uh, but... Uh, um, there are speculations how many people uh, were killed in Ukraine. I would like to say that uh, especially we have heavy casualties among the uh, civil population, of yep. course. Mm-hmm. Probably today you've heard that they bombed railway station. I did, yep. Killing uh, several, uh, you know, Dozens of people and uh, wounding more than 100. But uh, our economy now is being restructured. And again, it's it's an irony that war forces us to reform at a quicker pace, introducing higher technologies, which are not so labor intensive. And uh, that is the way out of the situation. More so, as I see from the uh, uh, IPR group, from Tatiana's business, that ladies now do all this business. Even uh, sometimes Tatiana invites our 18-year-old daughter, Olga, to join. So even kids, even grown-up already kids, 
but still they do what they can um, <clears throat> to uh, to make the country not to fill deficit of a labor force. That is high technologies, le uh, less labor important technologies, and of course, uh, our female population started uh, to do a lot of work which they were not even thinking about before the war. So is, is the you mentioned something that uh, that surprised me positively. I think you said the uh, the hryvnia is something around twenty nine to the dollar. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. <laughs> so it's fairly twenty nine point three. It seems to me. Like this. Yeah, twenty nine point three. Wow. It's well, fixed well, by the national bank. So <laughs> so. Um, uh, is 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 the banking system able to still function? It sounds like it is. Yes. Look, uh, I would like, again, I like very much comparison and historic examples like you. And uh, before the war, uh, the exchange rate, the dollar was uh, something 27.9, about 28. Now it's 29.3. Uh, it says that our government understands the basics of the economy. If we recollect historically, Adam Smith, who wrote his famous books uh, uh, some 250 years ago, he said, stable exchange rate is a funda mental principles of successful functioning of an economy. And he explained why and so. Uh, our national bank maintains stable, despite there is higher inflation, of course, as compared before the war period, but still the exchange rate is very stable. Examples. Uh, we keep on working. We receive hryvnias on our business cards, and we can pay by those cards in Poland. They, our national bank agreed with Polish banking system about the exchange rate, which is fair enough. And so we can pay by hryvnias from our business cards in Poland. Uh, yeah. Uh, Tatiana, maybe you'll tell uh, there are for businesses there are still some problems since at the beginning of the war. In order we have budgetary deficit, and again, a lot of countries support us on a grand basis supporting our budget. But still, our Ministry of Finance and National Bank uh, doing a lot of useful things on their own. At the beginning of war, they stop currency operations, which was uh, not very useful for business, but still it helped our economy to survive and our banking system to function. And now, this, today it was announced that they are easing those regulations in order to allow our businesses to function internationally, to make payments and to receive payments. Yes. So that means that they're loosening capital controls? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, exactly, Mike. Good. Exactly. Yeah. Despite there are still some limitations, but they are losing because uh, they. For major goods, for yeah. agricultural goods, and for humanitarian purposes, they just uh, drop down this. Easing, uh, easing easing regulations. This limits yeah. they and they uh, allowed payments in the in foreign currencies as well. So uh, that is true, especially for critical sectors of our economy, like uh, yeah, agriculture, chemistry, uh, others. Yeah, it's a first step for future. Uh, for future yeah. in, uh, business development, development internationally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So, um, you know, as a matter of history, any time that there's a great disruption, such as a war, that also sometimes creates opportunities in its aftermath. And I'm curious, what do you see? What do you see will, will be the opportunities of a post-war, post-victory Ukraine? Oh, I am very optimistic about those opportunities. Of course, uh, for those weeks and uh, maybe weeks or months ahead of us in the state of war, our people understood real values, the importance of real values. You cannot imagine how people in Ukraine became friendly to each other. I was always surprised in the United States or in Western Europe, people were smiling to each other, helping each other. When driving, they're making friendly gestures that just letting uh, other cars to go. It was not the case in Ukraine before the war, as you probably know. But now, it took us several weeks to cover this huge distance. So, before war period, I see a period of very quick reconstruction of our country, because our government and our administration already take steps to achieve agreements with countries, with companies for reconstructing Ukraine. And I uh, remember that some 22 years ago, I published an article, it is available in English, uh, Marshall Plan for Ukraine. At that time, I was thinking of reforming economy of Ukraine. But now it will be a real Marshall Plan for Ukraine to reconstruct the country. And pace of reconstruction and pace of further development will be unprecedented, believe me. And uh, Ukraine may become, in, the, in some near future, a member of the European Union. And we have support of key players in Europe, in, in North America. So I'm very optimistic about this period. Of course, war changed people in my country in a very positive way. Um, I'm talking with Dr. Leonid Kisterski and Dr. Tatiana Lipovaya, and the topic is, uh, should I do business in Ukraine? So I I'm going to ask you to, I'm going to ask you a very unfair question, but uh, I, I want to know the answer. I know our listeners want to know the answer. And that is, how do you think this ends? What does it look like? Is there a, is there a total Ukrainian victory? Is there a return to the 2014 situation? Is it something else? How, how does this end? Uh, Michael, it's a, one of the uh, most uh, probably difficult questions uh, for me to address. And I could um, uh, just uh, mention that there are possible scenarios of if we receive more weapons, more support, the war may be ended rather quickly with our victory. Because Russia behaving, behaving in such a, uh, you know, monstrous way. Because before recently, nobody dared to protect itself and uh, to give them <clears throat> uh, heavy blows, which they received from Ukraine. Just if we come back to a more remote history, I always remember. Um, an article, so-called long telegram of the prominent American historian, diplomat, uh, George Cannon, yep. in his long telegram, who explained the essence of Russian empire and of the Soviet Union, and Russia inherited the Soviet Union officially, all of them. 
So it will be attacking and attacking its neighbors because of, you know, its traditions. They are not uh, capable of creating something on their own. They are capable of destroying other people. Let's take now very recent history. Uh, back, uh, for example, uh, 1993, occupation of part of Moldova. Pridnistrovia, so-called non-recognized artificial republic. Then, uh, 08, Georgia, war in Georgia, they unleashed and occupied Abkhazia and South Ossetia. Then, uh, Syria, other countries on other continents, and 14, That is occupation of Crimea and part of Donbass. And at that time, there was a, their Muppet in charge of Ukraine, which in fact allowed infiltrating our country by Russian agents. So now it's different. And when uh, <clears throat> February 24, <coughs> Russia attacked Ukraine, It received severe blows and keep on receiving it. So, uh, end of the war <clears throat> depends decisively, probably not on negotiations, but on the performance of our military and our territorial defense and on patriotic support of all Ukrainian population, which is practically unanimous now. Mm -hmm. So it may take more time, it may take several uh, weeks or several months. I don't like to think uh, of uh, freezing this contact, uh, conflict because uh, uh, our military are in a position not only to defend, but also to attack. And now I see that uh, <clears throat> Western democracies at least started supplying heavy weapons to Ukraine, <clears throat> which may be a decisive factor in achieving a victory in the quite predictable future. Um, anyway, I will inform you. I'll be the first to inform <laughs> you that this is end of war, but end of war could be only a victory for Ukraine. Yeah. As our I, president told this. I, I think um, I, I, I think not many people would doubt you at, at this point. Um, underestimate Ukraine at your peril, I think is probably a good way to put this and maybe a good, maybe a good way to, to, to wrap this up. Um, I know it's late there. You have a lot of other things that you need to take care of. Uh, but I would like to ask you this, and that is um, many people are asking me and I'm helping them as best I can, but you probably have better information. You know, people do want to, individual citizens in the United States do want to donate money or other things to support Ukrainian refugees, to support Ukraine's struggle against Russia. Are there organizations that you recommend that you think are the most helpful that provide the most direct assistance on the ground? Yeah. Uh, first of all, uh, Michael, when we will uh, prepare the information which we promised to do after this show, we will probably give you official addresses okay. how to do it. But uh, may I tell you what Tatiana and I are doing in this respect? Uh, we are not rich people, as you know. But uh, at least uh, we are well-to-do, I would like to say, some middle Ukrainian class. First of all, we donate money to official sites of Ukraine for our military. Then we like, um, uh, we know, excuse me, we know a lot of individual families whose husbands or fathers 
now in the military of Ukraine, and uh, they uh, require some equipment, some arms, and uh, people who know those family, we put our money together in order to buy what they require. Those, they, uh, how do you call these devices, which um, make it possible to see during night time, for example, there is yes. high necessity of such. Then we, all, we like animals very much, and we have a cat here in Poland. We took it together. We said that all of us or nobody, so all of us. And we donate money to special organizations which support animals. Plus, we buy tickets for zoos in various parts of Ukraine. They appeal, please buy tickets for our zoos online, online. online. transfer money for buying tickets, and they feed their animals. So... There are a lot of opportunities how to support uh, Ukraine and uh, probably people in the United States, uh, they would prefer to support it in uh, some official way, which supports directly Ukrainian military or humanitarian support. And uh, we will uh, send those addresses to you for you could provide uh, your fellow citizens with those uh, reliable addresses very good we'll we'll make sure that those get published when we uh, publish this show next uh, next thursday yeah um leonid tatiana i i you know i, I can't tell you how this, this is just, this is a, a, a confusing time. It's a very difficult time, obviously. Um, but, you know, I, I truly thank God that you and Olga are, are safe. I know many others are not, and I wish I could help them, but I can't. Uh, but I can at least speak to you. And, uh, I, you know, I cannot imagine what, what you're going through physically, emotionally. Um, but, uh, you know, again, if there's any way that that I or my family can help or our you know, our community here, uh, and we do even have a Ukrainian church here in Atlanta, you know, please let us know. I, I would like to know, um, uh, you know, I, I'm just, it's, uh, but it, you've, you've shared, I think, a lot of information that I don't think it's reported here. And um, uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm extremely grateful. Yadujev Dyachin. That that you uh, to come on our uh, that you agreed to come on our show. Yeah, I still remember a little Ukrainian. In fact, I find it I find it very hard to speak Russian right now. It's it's emotionally very difficult. Um, but um, thank you very much for again being on the program and and for being you know patriots. And I, I think you guys realize and we realize in in America that that. Uh, uh, the war for, in many cases, humanity's soul is being fought in Ukraine. We didn't, we always thought that it would be in Iraq over oil for something like that, but it turns out it's in Ukraine. And, um, you know, we, we, we all are pulling for you and we just thank you for your courage. We admire you for your courage and the sacrifice that you're making. And, and, and hopefully you'll achieve a swift victory and get this thing over with and, and and send a message that this is just this is just was a bad idea from the outset. Yeah, Michael, uh, may say that we are very grateful to our American friends Michael Blake and John Ray, and to all other American people who are interested in Ukraine, who support Ukraine, and so this is minimum what we can do now for American-Ukrainian development, just uh, sharing our information with you. And uh, we will be more than happy to do it in the future. We are so grateful to you. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. All right. Well, all right. Thank you very much. And have a pleasant evening. And we will tell you when the podcast is ready so that you can see it, listen to it, and 
hopefully share with other people that uh, you think will be interested and have an impact. Thank you very much, Michael. And we will try to share uh, this uh, uh, show with our Ukrainian contacts back in Ukraine to demonstrate to everybody that America fully supports us on all levels. Thank you. So thank you very much and all the very best. Okay. That's going to wrap it up for today's program. And I'd like to thank Dr. Leonid Kisterski and Dr. Tatiana Lipovaya so much for sharing their expertise with us. We will be exploring a new topic each week. So please tune in so that when you're faced with your next business decision, you have clear vision when making it. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider leaving a review with your favorite podcast aggregator. It helps people find us so that we can help them. If you would like to engage with us on social media with my chart of the day and other content, I'm on LinkedIn as myself and at Unblakeable on Facebook, Twitter, Clubhouse, and Instagram. Also, check out my new LinkedIn group called Unblakeable's Group That Doesn't Suck. Once again, this is Mike Blake. Our sponsor is Brady Ware & Company, and this has been the Decision Vision Podcast. Thank <laughs> you.